Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Hi, everyone. This is Steven Schleicher here this week, and uh, this week is a little bit different than some of the other shows that we've done. Most of you know that uh, every so often we're trying to incorporate more interviews into the show, and sometimes those interviews are just short enough to fit into a regular episode, and sometimes the guest is so wonderful and so incredibly uh, informative that it lasts a little bit longer, and if we were to try to smash it up with the uh, other stuff that we put in a major spoilers podcast, it just ends up being way, way, way too long. And that's the case in this week's episode where I sit down with Greg Taylor. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, where do I know Greg Taylor's name from? That name is so familiar. Well, if you're a fan of Dakota Ring Theater and the Red Panda Adventures and um, and the Black, Just- Black Jack Justice series, then you know who Greg Taylor is. So recently I had the chance to sit down with Greg Taylor and have a really long discussion with him about the creation of the Red Panda Adventures, creating a, a, a world and continuity inside of uh, a show like Red Panda Adventures, as well as some of the challenges in creating a biweekly or bimonthly audio drama. And this is interesting to me because those of you who follow Phase 2 and what we're gearing up for in Phase 2 over at the members.majorspoilers.com website for our VIP members, you know that this is something that we are definitely working on. This is something that we're building to. And when we hit that Phase 2 mark, it's going to be, I hope, (laughs) really, really cool. So thank you. A big thank you goes out to all of our Major Spoilers VIPs who made this episode possible and all of the episodes in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. We're going to be back next week with a regular show full of regular reviews, regular uh, commentary on the news. And, of course, we're going to have next week a question and answer session. And then we're going to get back into, I think, the week after that, we've got a uh, trade paperback on the way. Some people have been asking us to review some books that I was really surprised. Someone said, hey, Stephen, you haven't reviewed this book before. And as I looked at it, I was like, man, I could have swore we reviewed this before. Sure enough, we haven't. So we've got some uh, good books coming your way in the coming weeks. And uh, why don't we sit down right now and take a listen to to Greg Taylor as he talks about the Red Panda Adventures in Dakota Ring Theater here on the Major Spoilers Podcast. Greg, thank you for uh, coming on the program today. Well, thank you for having me. For those of you who don't know, Greg Taylor has been involved with a little thing called Dakota Ring Theater, which uh, myself and D&D Brian and several others on the podcast have been talking about, raving about for years. And Greg, you know, I probably only discovered Dakota Ring Theater in... Maybe the last three or four years. Okay. But you have been doing this for a long time. It is. We're, we're the, you know, it, it doesn't take that long to become, you know, the grand old men of podcasting. But no, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, uh, 2005 was uh, when oh, we okay. started. So we're just, just starting our 10th season, mm-hmm. um, which uh, 
does freak me out when I say it out loud, but uh, it's uh, it's true. Well, and but you were doing some stuff before where you were doing some live radio theater, right? Back in the like well, 1999 and and before, right? That's true. We did a um, um, the origin of uh, of the whole project, and and it has its roots in sort of the golden age of uh, of American radio and uh, programs that I fell in love with as a kid and had no business knowing anything about <laughs> um, growing up uh, decades after the fact. Uh, and uh, you know the hero programs and the, and the mystery programs and uh, you know it was this wonderful inventive uh, era where this. Uh, new art form, new te- storytelling form came out of nowhere, was totally born of technology, um, redefined the way that we tell each other stories because of these ongoing stories with characters and relationships slowly developing and uh, uh, and, and the, all of the formats that we know and think of as television, all invented in a very short time for radio and then and then it was outstripped very quickly by technology as well. And uh, and just sort of moved on, but it left behind this uh, wonderful legacy of programs. And, and the more I had grown up with them, there's a, a radio station in uh, Toronto that would play them on Sunday nights, mm-hmm. uh, and it was on after a, a comedy show that I, I listened to. And one day I just didn't turn off the comedy show, and there was suspense, yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, escape. And uh, Green Hornet and Sherlock Holmes, and there are a lot of really wonderful programs uh, that every Sunday night. And uh, but for a long time, you could only you could only hear those stories if you picked up and uh, have them on cassettes. Right, right. So the best of W. C. Fields, some Jay Sandwell Hour programs, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and great stuff like that. But uh, it became more and more possible as as the MP3. Um, of, redefined and shaped everyone's collections. So now you had like not two episodes of Richard Diamond. You had a complete run of Richard mm-hmm. Diamond, Private Detective, and these mm-hmm. wonderful shows. You could really see how it was done when it was the dominant popular yeah. uh, art form. Well, there seemed to be, a, uh, there seemed and, to be kind of a, a resurgence, at least here in the United States, in the, in the 80s. Uh, our national public radio would do... Yeah. Uh, would do rebroadcasts of uh, the BBC's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and then they ran a, a Doc Savage series, and then they had their own uh, Ray Bradbury theater, and then they did the epic Star Wars radio dramas. And that's we where I got some, sucked into it. We had some uh, um, some original programs created uh, uh, by the CBC here, mm-hmm. and uh, and some of them were very good, and, and there was a, was a comedy group that I grew up just loving. It was all sketch comedy. It was called The Frantics, and, mm. um, and uh, that was uh, ongoing enough that it sort of fed into that same uh, uh, part of me that uh, loves radio drama. Uh, but uh, uh, one, of the, one of the things about a lot of these modern um, versions that were created for NPR or CBC is they're, they're very difficult to find, mm-hmm. and they were much more expensive to create because, in the interval, of course, you know the uh, actors' unions had come along, and their rights to be negotiated. And yeah. uh, very often they would. Uh, CBC did a wonderful series. Um, well, I guess it must have been about 14 years ago because it was called Great Plays of the Millennium, and I think they did. Um, they they were very good at you know doing these programs and then hiding them in their mm. schedule so you could never possibly find them or know that they were on. But I knew that this one was on, buried in another program, and it would be these adaptations of, of famous plays for, for radio. 
and um, they were wonderful. And uh, uh, but uh, y- you'll never hear them again, or be able to find them anywhere because uh, far too expensive um, to have the rights to anything. Yeah. Um, so, and that's and that's a shame. Is you, you you know you lose it and it's gone. Yeah. Uh, and that's the really wonderful thing about the old time radio stuff is because it was all under um, uh, you know the copyright law of of the period and and it all lapsed and no one had renewed it so it was just it was out there. And a few things have been sort of retroactively claimed. It's uh, um, it's now you you can't publicly offer and trade Lone Ranger programs or Shadow programs. Um, but, uh, you know, all the rights holders have always been very cool about, you know, Superman and, uh, and a lot of other stuff is, it's just out there and widely available and you can really appreciate it. So I was playing with these things back in the, um, uh, the late nineties, mm-hmm. um, wanting to make something for, well, at the time there was no distribution through the internet. I mean, it's, it's crazy to even think about that now, but it, it wasn't. You sort of had to make things, and there was no easy at-home digital mixing. We had to go into a studio, mm-hmm. and I had written this uh, sort of six-part um, series of, about a, a Canadian superhero called the Red Panda. And uh, and, I, and I made so many mistakes. I just did everything wrong, and it, it was still super fun to do. Um, but because you're trying to make this a saleable item. You're hoping that someone mm-hmm. will put it on their radio waves. And so the first thing that you do to make it more accessible is to make it a parody. Right. And, and we're halfway into the project. I'm like, I don't want this to be a parody. Um, it's, it's the easiest thing to do. It's, is to, uh, it's to mock as right. opposed to really make something and say, I want to legitimately explore within the conventions of, you know, the, this sort of period of broadcast history, how you would tell an, an ongoing story, how you would tell an adventure yeah. story. So um, just, but we finished that up, and it never, really, it never really went anywhere because, you know, it had a little release here, and we did some live shows, and, and that's about it. And then we stuck it up on uh, the website. Um, uh, that was the first decodering theater project, and then we were doing some live shows, and... Uh, and uh, uh, booking out some mystery shows, and uh, we had a, a website, and I stuck those up as downloadable MP3s, like just as an afterthought, just to do something with them. Here you go, have these, right. and started getting this great response from like all over, from places we'd never been, uh, people who wanted more, and it was fantastic. So I'm like, well, all right, you want more, and by then, you know, people were starting to talk about podcasting, and things had changed in terms of. A digital recording. So I took a year and you know taught myself that and wrote a buttload of scripts mm-hmm. and put together a, a team of people who I love to work with in the theater uh, over the years and uh, um, made our first shows. And and we did uh, like a season of twenty four. We did twelve episodes of sort of the the pulp superhero right. adventures, of the Red Panda, and sort of the protector of nineteen thirties Toronto. And uh, another twelve uh, uh, twelve uh, episodes of a of a mystery series, a, a, a hardboiled detective show called Blackjack Justice. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that probably would have been the end of it, except as soon as we started releasing them, we started having this really great response, and we were all coming sort of from a background of independent theater, where you're used to having you know as many empty chairs as humans. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the numbers now seem small, what we were excited about, but like, yo, we have to keep going. And it's been kind of a race against time ever since. Well, I'm, I'm curious, the, the first series, uh, series of Red Panda, that, that was the animal version, right? I, am I thinking correctly in that? Or the, the um, I've only gone back some, uh, one of our people that work with us was like, Stephen, you got to go back and listen to like these very first Red Panda adventure stuff. And it was taking place on a military base. And, uh, yes, I Those always, were, I always think it of was, it as animal adventures because they're referred to as Red Panda and, 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 um, things more directly than code names. It seemed like they're not actually, they're not actually meant to be, you know, animal, right, right. but it's, a. uh, they're, it's on the long list of mistakes that, that I made, but the idea there was that the, um, uh, the allied superheroes had been sort of subverted into military service mm-hmm. during the second world war. Mm-hmm. And this was a take. And it was also, it was a, um, because of where I was hoping to either sell it to or attract the attention of, or get behind the project, um, doing something that's, it's a fairly typical Canadian thing. And it's a very, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings with this, but it's a very CBC thing, ah, which okay. is to comment only on Canada mm-hmm. insofar as how it relates to America. Mm-hmm. And I have learned in the intervening years that a big part of the reason that's true is that, you know, many key creatives at CBC radio are in fact Americans. Mm. And that's always been the dirty little secret there. Um, that's sort of who gets hired. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it's also kind of infantile, and yeah. uh, I and I became bored with it um, very quickly. But it, it seemed to be a way. Uh, there is, it is certainly true that if you just take the, the popular movies of a certain era in particular, you would come to believe that the Second World War was a conflict between the United States of America and Nazi Germany, which was fought for some reason in France. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And, and and some people get their noses out of joint about that. As I've as I've grown up, uh, I've been more and more like, well, what you know? They made these movies so people would come see them, and they made them. They told the stories people were interested in hearing. Um, you do even uh, you know even now in some movies that I'm crazy about, uh, you do see uh, you know you get to the first Captain America movie, and they've even eliminated Nazi Germany from right, it. Like it's, right. it's now America and Hydra, yeah. and that's that's it. And, yeah. But who cares, man? It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and you just got to relax about these things. But that was an element of the parody, is what if um, Canadians had created something that was as over-the-top about Canada as being the, what... Uh, the Second World War revolved around as those uh, later mm-hmm. American storytellers did. And, and it never really, that was where it started, and it never really ended up being what the project was about because it, uh, because I wasn't interested in it. Yeah. Well, and by I, the time, by I, the time I, we created the actual, uh, the continuity of Red Panda Adventures that is the radio show and the comics and the novels and everything we've done, it had nothing to do with any of that. We, we have sort of enshrined the, those six, one-off stories from years before mm-hmm. because they're available and people have a fondness for them uh, in continuity. They are officially an alternate universe, right? That's, yeah, so that's it, it exists, but it's not, these aren't the stories that we're telling at all and not the characters that we're using. Cause it was a very, um, I call it the stupid verse. 
Yeah. Um, but some people, you know, it's still, there's, there's listeners who they just, they love those stories and they love the approach and I love them for it, but, uh, it's, that's not what we do anymore. Well, you know, not, not to put down the work that you had done with everybody involved, but I'm really glad that you got bored with that and started doing the red Panda that we know now, because I love, I love that stuff. I love the shadow. I love the, the mystery men adventures from, from that time. And when I discovered this, I was just like, this is incredible. This is, this is radio theater done right uh, in my mind. And what amazed me is as I was burning through the uh, previous four years or whatever of content that you had released, I just loved how this started, you know, pre almost pre World War Two, then into World War Two, and now we're basically right at the end of World War Two, post World War Two, and it's just fascinating how you are maintaining the continuity of all the characters and growing the characters, and you know, keeping everything straight is is mind boggling. But then also, the type of adventure is changing to meet with that exact same time. You know, you're more, and this is my perspective, and maybe I'm off. But it's it's more like now you're moving into the pulp hero meets sci-fi now with the uh, the crimson uh, army and and the the robots and and the sci-fi element, and it just amazes me that that's you've evolved almost in real time with uh, with that story. Well, thank you for that. That that is very very much um, what uh, what I wanted to achieve as. As we kept telling the stories, I'd love to say it was the plan from the beginning, but the plan was to tell 12 and mm-hmm. have a good time. Yeah. Um, but as we continued, and uh, the big difference between those early stories and then what happened years later when we came back to it was there'd been that MP3 revolution, and suddenly you had access to these whole libraries. So instead of like, I remember these shows from a kid when I was a kid, I'm going to make a parody of them. Right. Now I had heard... 235 episodes of The Shadow and, you know, as much Green Hornet as I could get my hands on and really gone through. This is how the story's put together. This is how it's told. But because there were so many different writers coming through on those series, they didn't really have uh, continuity and, and character growth. And to be able to take the relationship between the characters and, and uh, the supporting characters and the interesting people that were involved, and just very gradually, you know, you're always trying to tell a mm-hmm. 25 to 30 minute adventure story, but very, very gradually let it uh, change and grow and become more rich. And every once in a while, events would come along that would blow up the series Mm -hmm. and it would change. Um, It would become, uh, and I let it be in the early days, um, which is the Depression era stories. I love the shadow stories of that era Mm -hmm. um, where it's all that's the that's the time when the superhero was really invented. They were right. pulp heroes. We don't think of them like that. But when you look back at the Depression, and in our collective memory, the the World War II has sort of wiped a lot of that away. But this was a huge, huge uh, sea change mm-hmm. for the world. Um, everything was changed, and a, a lot was gone. The, the 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 world as it had been had largely collapsed for a lot of people. And even people who made it through the Depression fairly unscathed, um, it was a, uh, a huge event. Uh, there was this darkness all around. And in the cities, it really it got dark. We sort mm-hmm. of have this artificial dark now. But there could be anything in the shadows. There could be someone who 
has lost everything and is and is desperate and is care doesn't care about taking it away from you and in those days before the idea of superpowers before you know superman and captain marvel came along when you look at those early mystery men the superpower more often than not is that they were rich right that's the biggest power that you could possibly have and that these these rich men um suddenly for whatever reason decided to help people mm-hmm. instead of take more mm-hmm. and they became these you know these mythic champions and uh it's really uh significant to sort of go back and and play with those building blocks and and play with the darkness and the light and sometimes there were supervillains that would recur through this, those earlier stories but there right. were also a lot of stories that were about gangsters mm-hmm. or a protection racket shaking down shop owners who were you know barely able to uh, to keep things together and and, uh, and uh, or people who are or running running a scam that is taking money away from people who have almost nothing and really to be able to like throw a little righteous indignation into into that era is wonderful to play with yeah yeah um and then and it gradually would change and we'd get into the wartime stories just like there are um those distinct eras of green hornet stories you know where mm-hmm. the hornet is um the hornet is the villain and then there's a little bit of a bigger role for Cato, but we have to mention every time we mention Cato that he's really Filipino because Japanese people aren't our friends anymore. Right, right. And then post-war, where he the, loses the whole villain routine and goes to work for the government hunting down commies, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they also would change. Um, so the great thing about playing in a single creator universe like that is um, you're not, you can really build things with uh, essentially a comic book hero in a way that those heroes often can't because someone's always going to flip it back to the way it was when they were a lad or when they first started reading it. Or right. Guess what? You remember that whole like 10-year-long story about Hal Jordan that you were super invested in? Well, that never happened. He's a good guy again. Right, right, right. Um, you know, uh, the the reboot is just it's it's a plague to any kind of uh, uh, any kind of character development, and so I think that's the thing that's been the staying power for the Red Panda, and what brings people, whether they come in, you know, from reading the comic books or reading a book or through mm-hmm. the radio series, to want to experience so much of it. And now that we've released 108 radio episodes. So people say, whoa, I don't know how I'm going to, and they listen to one and then they listen all yeah. the way through. I think and, that, I mean, that certainly happened with me and it was just, I was looking for audio drama of obviously, you know, the shadow people have re-released the shadow episodes up on, on iTunes and there's some others mm-hmm. like Drabblecast and, and, uh, uh, you know, so many others. And of course I, I think you've probably influenced, uh, shows like welcome to night Vale And, um, um, what's the one that the uh, Nerdist does the, um, Oh, I don't have it here in front of me. The um Thrilling Adventure Hour? Yeah, the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Thrilling Adventure Hour has been around as long as we have. Oh, okay. They were doing they were doing uh live shows. Mm. Um so I don't think yeah, I don't know that they've ever heard of us and I oh, you know, I'm, started oh. to hear them in the last few years, but uh, I I love what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the tremendous advantage of having, you know, Nathan Fillion drop by every once in a while and other <laughs> right. famous people to go play with them. Right. I'm super jealous of that. But what they do is is terrific because everybody is obviously having a really good time. Yeah. Well, that's, um, and know, to be honest, that's fun what sounds... to listen to what they create because they are having fun. 
Well, that's what it sounds like is going on with with what you're doing. And I'm curious how after all of this time, eight years, 2005, when you're putting the, the podcast together, what what keeps keeps you going? What motivates you to continue to create 12, 24? I don't I don't know what the most was that you released in a year, but what keeps you going year after year with these characters? You know, I think it's the relationship with the characters, the relationship with the cast, and the relationships with the listeners, because there are some people who are just super people who are really devoted um, and invested in what we're doing, and uh, and that gives so much energy to it. If it was just something that was being created in isolation and sent off into the world, um, you know, there would definitely be more times where uh, you know, we wouldn't have the same motivation, but when mm-hmm. you can come up with a line or a bit that you know is just going to delight people, yeah, yeah, <laughs> then you find that you find that delightful yourself. Um, we actually, I, I'm started writing. I work about a year ahead of schedule, really oh, okay. schedule. Um, so the scripts that I'm writing now will start to be released around this time next year and, and in the fall of, of uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's a shift in the structure of um, how, for the Red Panda, uh, of the of the stories and, and how they're falling out. Now, we won't get too far into that. Um, but uh, um, again, you know, every once in a while, you sit down, because I write super early in the morning. It's just the only time it fits in. Um, and, uh, you know, you go to start a script and the last one went just fine. And you look at the paper and you're like, Oh, I don't even know anymore. And then you just start <laughs> to write. And about two days later, I looked at it and I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, this one came out all right. I'm pleased with where this is going. And then you get to the finish. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, after a time, it's, you know, part of it is just, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also, you know, for, I'm also a fan of the stories and that sounds like a stupid thing to say because I, I so much involvement in creating them, but I also want to know what else happened to these characters. Yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, revealed to me not to be, you know, a total flake about it, but, uh, <laughs> um, they, they can only have new adventures if I say so. Well, do you have a, uh, so, do you have a Bible planned out of like, this is the 10 year story arc for the red Panda or for blackjack justice or whoever else that, uh, not whoever for else blackjack. Um, and we've been talking a lot about the red Panda, so we should probably wander down blackjack, but I will say with, with the red Panda, it was always my intention from the time that we started doing more stories. You know, mm-hmm. once I really, I feel like the scripts really caught their groove in what I call our second season. Um, I like the stuff in scripts 1 through 12, and, and everything's established there, but it really, you know, gets that nice pulp groove, finds a rhythm. Um, for for me, you know, I, I feel it around, like, um, uh, well, now I can't even remember the name of it, but uh, uh, our 13th episode, anyway. Um, and um, as a, a mental institution, what is it? Uh Oh, wow. How about that? I've written so many episodes, I can't remember any of them. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but that's uh, got a great rhythm. And I wanted to see if we could, if we could keep it going long enough to tell 
a mystery man story mm-hmm. from near the beginning to the chronological end uh, without, you know, without interruption, without reboots, without anything. I tell it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then as we went a little further in, and uh, again, much like classic radio drama, the classic uh, pulp magazines have, have had a lovely renaissance, and there's, a, there's an outfit that's re-releasing the... Um, the the shadow novels and uh, um, and uh, and then of course there were others that were available before and I love those stories too the, the pulp shadow is very very different yeah um, than the radio shadow both of them are influences on on the red panda but in different ways um, and uh, and I love those stories and I love reading them and I wanted to you know write a continuity pulp novel and see you know and I, I knew that it would really just appeal to people that knew the characters, but that was a pretty getting to be a pretty decent number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seemed like a reasonable thing to do. And so I wrote the first one, uh, the series is called tales of the red Panda, And the first one was called the crime cabal. Right. And it was so much fun to write. <laughs> and a lot of people ended up buying it and enjoying it. And I'm yeah. like, this actually, you know, Unlike much of what else I'm doing, this actually paid off a little bit in a, in a strictly, you know, linear kind of in my pocket way. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, so, I, but I, then I went back because the relationships had changed mm-hmm. by that point in the radio show, and they mm-hmm. were starting to, to progress. But I put it deliberately back further in the early years of the radio show, mm-hmm. and have gradually the uh, the fourth. Um, took a little break there and did a couple other books, um, but uh, the, the fourth uh, Tales of the Red Panda, um, the Pyramid of Peril, is uh, coming out this fall, Excellent. and we've been doing uh, serialized chapters of it in with the, the comic books, and um, uh, I wanted to to push it back because I had left that other era behind, but I could still play with it if. Mm-hmm if I kept the, the world of novels there, but they were all still continuity. And the great thing about that is I could go back and revisit things. There's a character that I made up for the radio show, and he'd been referenced a couple of times in the radio show, but he'd never appeared, a reporter called Jack Peters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought him in for an episode of the radio show, and then I killed him off, like in the same episode. I have no idea what I was thinking. Uh, maybe it was because I hadn't heard uh, Chris Mott came in and did this great performance with him. And I'm like, I really like this character. And, oh, I just killed him. <laughs> um, but then he ended up being a really important character in the novels and mm-hmm. has now appeared in the comics because I did the same thing when the time came to um, do comic books is, is went back again and played in some of the earlier eras. But all of these stories fit together, regardless of how out of sequence they end up being told over the years as we continue. Um, it's it's all the same continuity. It's all the same world. If you are really into these characters, you can experience them in lots of different ways. Right. But you're never going to have to swallow the same story twice. Right. And you're never going to have to do something. Say, oh well, you know, this is a separate continuity, so that didn't really happen. Blah blah stuff like that. Well, but that's what that was really cool about when the comic book series came out because we grabbed it and we started reading. It. It's like, wait a minute, this is not taking place in the current timeline of of the radio drama. And then we realized, Oh wait, this is taking place between this episode and this episode or between this season and this season. And I think what works with some comic book characters and certainly stories like what you're telling with red Panda is there's space in between the spaces of your stories 
that you can drop another story in and still make sure that it stays within the continuity of the entire series. Yes. There, there were always um, stories that, and I actually, I don't know if that one's come out yet, but there's, there's a, a, sort of an extra feature in uh, one of the, the comic books. We keep talking about the comic books. Right. I'm going to do the Carson show thing and just, you know, plug the fact that, you know, these are released uh, through Monkey Brain Comics yes. digitally on Comixology mm-hmm. and that the first collection, um, Red Panda, Mask of the Red Panda, was released from IDW Publishing right. in March and is in finer bookstores everywhere. Um, there we, that was smooth, wasn't it? No, that was uh, great. But um, when... Um, um, Except I'd probably forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, um, uh, the, I was going to say the uh, the covers that you have for uh, the Red Panda novels are done by Thomas Perkins. He's actually a friend of our shows, and he's designed a lot of uh, character stuff for us, including stuff that we do for our uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So there's yes. a connection there. And then um, I know Chris Roberson. I wouldn't I wouldn't say super well, but well enough that uh, when they launched Monkey Brain, we've had him on the show multiple times over, over the years. So uh, It still blows my mind that we get to release through Monkey Brain. I know, it's, isn't it? Uh, it's crazy. It's fantastic. Um, it's, uh, this really is. I mean, yeah, it's the, the digital comic releases and, and the labors of love of a lot of people who are like, you know, there's some tremendous uh, industry talents just doing their own, fun things mm-hmm. and the results are excellent and then somehow there's Dean and I with our Groovy <laughs> Mystery Man book and I'm like how did this happen man well, um, but it's fantastic it's a joy so you've conquered basically the podcast world I think uh, you, well, you've, our, you've our little well. audio drama corner of it we, 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 we do alright well, you, you have done well with the novelization and you've got a comic book series that's going on when are we going to see uh, television and and movies of of the Red Panda? Oh man, you know I would so love uh, to do something animated, and you know we've got the voice cast mm-hmm. with all of this stuff developed. Uh, and now it's not the thing that we've always had going on. The the, the problem, no, the benefit of doing your own thing and making the thing that you love the most, the thing that you want to hear more mm-hmm. than anything else, is that as long as you're true to it, you'll be happier than anything else you could possibly do. Right. The downside is the industry at large and, you know, the, the man in the street may not agree with you mm-hmm. that, you know, a dude in a hat and a domino mask is wildly awesome thing to tell a story about. <laughs> and you got to accept that. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to believe it. Um, so, you know, as we've, as we've continued to do stuff and I, I don't know, it's great to have the comic book out there. We did, um, we had our, uh, our three part story and there were three quite long really issues, um, in the initial, uh, story. And mm-hmm. then we went away and, and have come back in a more, uh, sustainable digital release. The comic really wasn't originally created for um, for digital release. It was just sort of created. Um, and a lot of digital books are you know, sort of in the more 12 to 14 sequential pages. Right. So you can keep it going on a regular basis. And the 99 cent price point is, you know, a sustainable option. So since we made that switch, I'm having a lot of fun in this latest set, the ones that are coming out uh, under the Night of the Red Panda uh, moniker of telling two-part stories, but when you put them together, it basically, in 
terms of page count, flows like one good old fashioned one and done Silver Age story mm-hmm. um, that I you know would grow up reading, and uh, bringing in sort of a rotating rogues gallery of uh, of uh, the Red Panda's villains from the radio show, and uh, uh, and that's tremendously like, so fun to do. What um, what. I guess when you're creating all of this, whether it be Red Panda or Blackjack Justice, which is, again, also enjoyable. I know we focused on Red Panda a lot, but you've what this this isn't a question of how do you be creative? Okay, this is a question of how do you keep the stories fresh? Because one of the tropes that seems to befall the old radio drama is, okay, it's the gangster of the week. And you listen to enough of of the stories or you read enough of the especially on the Doc Savage pulps you start to see a repetition of how the story is being told and you kind kind of see what the ending is going to be way before you get there. It's true. If you read a lot of the, of the shadow pulp novels, there's often, if it's a mystery one and they aren't always, but if there's a, if there's a, a mystery in there, there's always one character that he kind of avoids telling you too much about, mm-hmm. or he's cagey at a certain moment. So he doesn't have to lie to you. And I'm like, Oh, this guy is really the bad, you know. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, I guess you can see the seams um, if if you. Um, but in writing the Red Panda stories, it's felt like less of a problem um, because a we've let the series change over the years because the relationships have changed and it's really passed over time. We were probably in 1933 in the beginning. Now we're in 1945, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, and let that world change and grow with them. But also, they can do anything. They go out looking for trouble. You don't have to say, um, you know, how are we going to enter the story? Um, they they go out looking for trouble. Uh, a, a plurality of the episodes probably begin with a, a page and a half long scene in which something bad happens to someone right. that we have not met before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may maybe a scream or a gunshot or a thunderclap, and then we're into the story. We don't have to necessarily say how do we get the heroes into it. Um, uh, Blackjack Justice, just to um, drift down that road, is uh, um, written more in the uh, post-war radio style. Prosperity was back, so mm-hmm. manpower was not as cheap as it was. So there's fewer speaking parts in the roles. Um, that's you know just the way when it came to Marlowe or Sam Spade or Richard Diamond or a lot of those stories. It's how they were put together. The casts were smaller and tighter to make mm-hmm. the show affordable. Mm-hmm. And even though that wasn't you know the approach, we we went that way. Uh, but it was the um, uh, and and that which is also why you started to see a lot of first person uh, narrative sort of taking you between scenes rather than everything being revealed through dialogue. Right. Uh, but the twist on this is that um, it's a uh, his and hers private detectives, mm-hmm. um, a man and a lady uh, who don't necessarily even like each other very much. They just dislike everybody else more. Um, and uh, so they're often, um, their, their narrative voices are also often in, in conflict. And that's uh, a driving factor, not in a, not in a moonlighting, they're, sort of fighting, but they're going to sleep together by season three kind of way. No, they legitimately don't enjoy each other's company very much at all. Um, And that's what's made it work. And just as the thing that made the Red Panda stay fresh is the fact that it changes, the thing that works for me for Blackjack is that it doesn't. 
There have been a few things that have changed. And because we've had a couple of Christmas episodes, I guess some time has passed, Mm -hmm. but it's always very nonspecific. Right. And, um, uh, and the difficulty with a a detective story is there's a more limited range of things that they can do. Mm -hmm. And they always enter the story when someone tries to hire them to do something. And you don't hire private detectives to investigate murders, although they have investigated a lot of them. There's mm-hmm. always It starts somewhere else with a fairly limited palette of things that private detectives can do. And we take a lot of license with that, of course. Um, and it's a very lighthearted. And it feels very, very different. I get emails from people who are, you know, they'll be talking about one show and the other show and how much better written one show is than the other. And why can't they have the same writer write both shows because I'm like, wow, you're really not paying attention because they're both me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry you don't like this one, but it may be possible you just don't like that kind of story very yeah, much because yeah. they're totally both me. Right. Um, and, but, but uh, do you collaborate with anyone? I mean, do you ever, I mean, you've got a bunch of actors that you bring in. Are they, are they giving feedback or do you do solicit feedback or is this totally, everything is yours from start to finish? Well, usually the actors don't see anything until um, we put a group together for mm-hmm. a recording day. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to, you know, have it be um, sustainable and, and affordable, we're listener-supported, but we're right. you know, not raking it in. Um, so, and, uh, you know, the actors are compensated, but not as well as they should be, but enough that they've kept coming around anyway. Right, right. Um, and... Uh, uh, so we'll do like three episodes in a day. So it's a long okay, day. Right. Um, but I'll also try and stack my available scripts so that we have the best mix and match. Mm-hmm. We might do one of one show and two of another um, in that day and uh, all be in there together. So a lot of the collaboration that they do um, is influencing the next script with what they're doing um, on this one. Mm-hmm. And because it's me directing it and acting in with them and, you know, mixing the episodes and really getting an appreciation on every level for what it is they've done here, um, lets me know both what they're capable of um, and in terms of recurring characters. Uh, very few recurring characters on the series became that because I said so. Um, They mostly became recurring characters because I heard the actor's interpretation of something that I had written and said, that guy's coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've had, uh, you know, we've had villains that just didn't take, like they were fine for one episode, but I was really never that interested in telling another story about them. Right. Um, or things that could, if they had to, be flipped to another actor, which I don't like doing that much, but sometimes circumstances dictate it has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, there's other things that, you know, the, the performance has tied Freddie the Finger on, uh, on Blackjack yeah. uh, has totally evolved um from what Peter Nichol was doing with the role, um, as did uh, Dr. Chronopolis was in several episodes that I had written before I ever gave any of them to Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything about you know, how he gradually became much more dotty 
um, fit in with the passing of years and the fact right. that he was already a fairly mad scientist. Um, but it was just sort of this uh, uh, adorable um, uh, muffin-headed uh, performance that, uh, <laughs> that Peter gave him. Um, Andy Parker, who is one of the Red Pandas uh, uh, stalwart agents, um, was probably just going to be a one-off character, as was uh, young Harry Kelly, who appeared in the first episode. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, come to think of it, we also, yeah, Spiro, uh, the contact man, appeared in that one for the first time, too. And all three of those became um, longstanding recurring characters uh, because um, what uh, what uh, Brian and, and Shannon and, and Mike Booth uh, were doing um, with the characters mm-hmm. uh, spoke to me. And so in a way, because I'm so familiar with the performances of the actors, when the time comes to write that character again, I know how they talk. Right. Um, it's not, I haven't, I do find this, you know, reading, uh, um, reading comics to my son mm-hmm. is that there's things that I'll read and think this is great. But then when the time comes to read it out loud, I realize that all of the characters talk exactly the same. Yeah. You can't tell one character from another. They're all speaking like the writer. Right. And there's others, some of which you also say this is great, and others that you, you don't really give that much thought to until the time comes to read them. And you, this is a wonderful story because everybody has their own voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so never needing to find the voices of so many members of the extended universe is because I know the voices. Right. I know what they would say to that next because... Um, this thing that lives in my head that is half me and half the actor who has uh, shaped it and developed it. Um, I, I have a lot of trouble when the time comes to start a, a blackjack justice mystery, figuring out how we're going to enter the story this time. Mm-hmm. What is this going to be? Mm-hmm. And often, if you listen to those opening monologues that start with a cliche and then do a little bit of a ramble, right. that's me getting in the mood to write that. Ah, okay. Right. Um, and I'll go back and fix it later, otherwise they'd be way too noodly. Yeah. But um, uh, but that's sort of... the. It feels like it's swirling you into the story, ideally, but in fact, it's also me swirling into the story. Ah. But once I get them in there and I figure out what they are doing, Jack and Trixie know exactly how to respond to any given situation and yeah. each other. Yeah, I so love, it becomes I love a question of how them. fast can you type? Right, I, I because just they're love that talking. Play. Yeah, um, you know, speaking of you know, just speaking of actors, I mean, I'm 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 obviously thrilled that I get to talk to you because I've heard your voice for so long. And so I'm here and listening to, you know, you talk and I'm like, oh, this is Greg Taylor from, you know, Dakota Ring Theater and Red Panda and all this stuff. You've also got a great group of actors working for you. Did you did you have to do an open call for this? Were these friends of yours? How did the the ensemble come together? This was the most closed call you can possibly imagine, because it really just was, um, you know, word would sort of spread among people who I had worked with mostly in uh, the theater in Toronto mm-hmm. and on other projects or that I'd gone through theater school with or, or whatever, um, who were available and, uh, um, uh, and we're just kind of like, you know, the guy that you want on the team, right? It's not always, you know, it's like anything else. The guy you really want to have on your team is not always the superstar. Mm-hmm but it's the guy who plays with the most heart and you love to have around. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, putting together a, a 
a team of those guys. And sometimes they, you know, they never worked together. They were all people in my life. Right. Um, there was a really, there was a bizarre moment, uh, like five years into um, the entire process, where Andrea Lyons, who plays Trixie Dixon, mm-hmm. and Professor Zombie, and, and many other characters, was uh, in the room with uh, Peter Higginson, who plays uh, the Stranger, and and other roles. And they just sort of looked at each other, and she said, Andrea, and he said, Peter. And then they shook hands, and they went on. I'm like, what just happened? Did you? <laughs> is it the first time you two have met? Yeah. But they had never worked together, and they both were, you know, huge parts of what we do. Yeah. But I'd never put them in the same room at the same time. Oh, that's crazy. And uh, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And then there's other folks who um, uh, um, just kind of uh, stumble into it sideways. There's mm-hmm. a, a fellow who I met uh, I met at a party and uh, started talking about um, old-time radio and, uh, uh, and then started talking about Richard Diamond and caught like four or five of my really obscure references and returned them. And then we started doing stuff, and then and and then he did uh, told some kind of joke where he did uh, 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 comic uh, German accent was mm, part of mm-hmm, the joke. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, you work for me now. And that's <laughs> we had just had um, M. John Kennedy, who had uh, done uh, some recurring roles like Von Schlitz mm-hmm. and uh, Professor Von Schlitz in uh, The Red Panda, and Nelson in uh, Blackjack Justice, mm-hmm. a sort of bumbling uh, uh, cop. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, Hans Messerschmitt, you know, before he knew it, and he's like, you know, he's like, I'm not an actor. I said, just you, you'll be fine. I've heard you do the spits, and uh, and 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 is yeah. and, and is is great in those roles, um, and uh, and is a great guy to work with. Uh, so um, it, sometimes it, it just sort of happens that way. There's another fellow who um, uh, was working my my uh, day job is uh, at the sort of professional regional theater um, here in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, called Theater Aquarius. And there was a fellow who was um, working with the, the playwright unit here called uh, Ryan Saro, um, who uh, heard about uh, the Dakota Ring shows um, uh, through a fellow who works here. And he said, "What would I, what would I have to do to?" be part of this and I don't know I think you just ask him <laughs> and, and and he did and I'd seen him do some stuff on stage and, and I'd read some stuff and I said sure come on we usually you know you'll usually play like a couple of completely thankless flunky roles and, and I'll see where you fit in from there yeah um, and uh, it was one of those things where we had like a last minute cancellation and I juggled things around and he ended up playing this uh, um, henchman uh magnificent henchman performance uh, opposite uh, Andrea's uh, Professor Zombie and it's just I'm like there's no scenery left for anyone to chew right um, and uh, a real uh, sort of vocal chameleon thing going on um, uh, and you can just sort of give him anything and he'll find the voice for it mm-hmm. so um, uh, some of these things you sort of stumble into sideways um, Hero Van Harten has done a lot of stuff with us in the last few years we met her at a wedding um, it was the wedding of another Julie Cogger who uh, has also uh, been in the shows, but uh, and she was just sort of talking, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can use that voice. Oh, um, she was an actress already, of course, but uh, uh-huh. um, but we hadn't hadn't uh, worked with her before, so it's a really kind of weird open process that just it just seems to happen. 
Um, I could, we've never had everybody all in the same place at the same time. Hmm. Um, we've, we talked for a couple of years about trying to do like a company picnic out on the Toronto islands. It right. <laughs> never materialized. Oh. Somebody was always off on a job. Yeah. Well, that's a good, that people uh, keep busy. How long does it take to, to record a, you know, an, an ep- well, you said, an, um, get through about three episodes a day, but how long does it take to record a series? And are you doing it in the early days? You said that you were doing it highly produced in a studio. Where do you, where do you record now? Well, we had to. I mean, in the in the late nineties, um, there was uh, uh, fortunately there was a fellow who you know, was a friend of mine who was in a second music uh, mm-hmm. studio, uh, and we went into there, and it was recorded on like digital audio tape, which right. was a pain in the arse to edit with. Yeah. We sort of made that up as we went along, and he did a he did a great job, um, but it's completely changed and uh, since we've been working on this project it's always been a recording space in my house ah good Um, we've moved um, but uh, it was when we were when we were house hunting you know my my wife would be looking at you know oh how close are we to schools and the park and what sort of a man and and, uh, I was looking at where is the space that I can use as a recording studio (laughs) and and, and we've and we found one that uh, that works, and uh, it was right near. Um, we moved down the road a little ways, and uh, uh, but it was right near a uh, uh, transit, so folks can come in from Toronto, and mm-hmm. uh, and they do, and it's uh, that's fantastic. But no, the the recording and the mixing, it's not that difficult to set up once you get your head around it. Right. Um, it's like, well, I mean, you know, you guys do a lot of podcasts, and, right, and. Uh, uh, a really different kind of thing, but like anything else, um, the whole um, you know, you, you doing interviews and having multiple people all talking in in, in different formats, and once you've got the mechanics down, it figures itself out pretty well. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, editing together a, a blackjack is cake. Uh, it just because not very much happened. Right. Uh, sometimes I'll stick some rain behind it. I don't mm-hmm. mean nothing happened. I just mean, you know, we're not really, for the most part, telling a story through sound effects. In fact, even with the Red Panda, I don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sound effects for me are there to reinforce the story, not to tell me the story. Because you may think that you're telling me a fascinating story with footsteps and creaking floorboards, and then somebody says, woo, and there's a whoosh. Right. In fact, I have no idea what's happening. Um, and uh, um, it, it's, it's sort of got to be about the dialogue and the characters. Mm-hmm. And the other stuff reinforces it. But there are often, you know, just the nature of the private detective show, you know, you can have a seven-minute scene in the detective's office mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where, you know, someone sits down, someone else pours a cup of coffee, and other than that, that's pretty much the effect. Yeah. So uh, some of them uh, mix more easily than others, but well, they all mostly happen in the wee, wee small hours. Yeah, I, I re- remember when we first started our uh, Real Play podcast, which is mm-hmm. a lot more... I, it's surprising to people when they listen to it because it turns into a lot more drama and a lot more story than, you know, just people sitting around rolling dice all, all day. But what was amazing was early on when we first started it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put in music and sound effects and do all this stuff. And it was a big pain in the butt and took a long time to put together. And then suddenly it was just like, why don't I just let the story, let the let the narrative push the story along and not worry about sound effects and music? 
and it's been so much better ever since. Yeah, I mean there there are shows and and um, audio drama program and, and some classic stuff that is very effect and music driven. I mean, mm-hmm. you talked about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and right. you know Douglas Adams did really want it that to be something completely different. He wanted it to sound like a rock album, and it worked. But I think it really worked because he was a great writer. Yes, as opposed to you know the genius things being done with, uh, you know, the effects work is, is, is all good, but if it wasn't a great script already, then, it, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered at all. You had said that this show is fan-supported, and I think many podcasters are fan-supported. Mm-hmm. And you've been able to do this for a number of years, so you're you're doing okay, not okay, from that standpoint? Well, I, mean, I think a lot of people were really disappointed and again, Brian and I were talking the other night, and we were both commenting about the announcement that you were reducing the number of shows that you were producing uh, each year because of lack of funding. Well, that's not that's not entirely true. Um, it's it's certainly on the list, and I did uh, you know in uh, um, in addressing it, and I did I mentioned it uh, on the air. I had a little. Uh, a little message to folks who never come to any of the other places and right. then on the Dakota ring theater uh, website and on the Facebook page. Um, there was like a sort of a more full mm-hmm. statement to family, that and, family and, and, and that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. true that, um, uh, that there's been a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a decline. I would say kind of a, ennui if you will, mm-hmm. um, uh, with the, uh, you know, the, there's a lack of novelty to um, the the monthly support. And I think that has more to do with the fact that, um, it, you know, you've dealt with PayPal and you know right. that uh, periodically if someone, if, if their funding source is maxed out or empty or whatever, yeah. it'll try twice to fulfill it and then it'll yeah. cancel. Yep, exactly. And there was a point when I had more time when I would follow up with people and see if that was meant to be an intentional cancellation. And, and, and uh, um, it eats up a lot I, of time. I really put a lot more time into plugging and promoting and creating all new original content just for the people who were the monthly donors. Mm-hmm. And it, it did just, it became, you know, when we, when we started doing this, I had uh, no kids right. and uh, a position of, uh, of, less responsibility and uh, uh and it's just gradual and i also wasn't writing other stuff mm-hmm. i wasn't writing novels and comic books and trying to do other projects and and make it into things and still hold down a job and do a thing it really what it comes down to i mean if the um if the if i'd made plugging the support so much of my focus that I could just do this. That could have been the thing, but that would have been, um, that would have really made it all about something that, you know, you've changed, man. It used to be about the music. Yeah, uh, no, and and if there was only going to be one thing, as, as my time kind of evaporated, if there was only going to be one thing that I could... Um, deal with effectively and do well, I wanted it to be the storytelling. Right. And 
and it's meant that you know there were many times when I put an episode together for release and realized that I hadn't even put in the little mention that says you know the Dakota Wing Theater podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Right? Uh, yeah, I probably should have done that, but it just. There was, you know, there was a birthday message, and mm-hmm. I wanted to plug the comic book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you don't want to put in too many messages. So, in a way, that's on and that's on me. Is that I I could have flogged that more, but it would have had to flog it so much. We were never really close to a point where this was, you know, my full time job or anything like that. It was a full time job. It's just not. My primary right, mentor. right, right. Well, I, it's um, interesting because and, I think you and I kind of have kind of you're maybe a little bit ahead of where I'm at, but that's that's exactly what what we do too. Where we've get we get, we have subscribers, we have a VIP page, we provide original content for our VIP members, and it's and it is you know ongoing to where for me having two different jobs and doing podcasts and websites and teaching and management and all this stuff just really got. To the point where I was like, I can't do it all and do it well, and I'm going to have to quit something. Yeah. And fortunately for me, I've decided that I'm just going to do this full time. Uh, and but I really I understand where you're coming from totally. In it also, in I that. mean, part of the the mitigating factor has been. I mean, I like my day job. Yeah, it's it sounds fun. And, yeah. and the people that I work with are, are fun, and it's it's but it's work and right. when I'm uh when I'm doing it it's what I'm doing. So um there has been fewer and fewer opportunities to um to throttle back. Uh and uh and and also, you know, when we were um when we're recording because you know we're compensating all of the actors for their time coming in and uh so there's definitely a cost to that and and it's also true that in the, the last season or so or a year and a half of uh, red panda stuff it's been um i've been wrapping up so many different characters storylines mm-hmm. bringing so many characters so there's some episodes where you're recording and you're like oh my gosh there's 11 people here this is an expensive day <laughs> yeah yeah um so that uh, that's that's part of it too, and, and looking at how ultimately uh, it can be sustainable. But for me, at this point, sustainability was less about um, the uh, the money coming in, mm-hmm. and it was more about the amount of me going out. Well, have you looked at other models besides just the PayPal model? Have you looked at Patreon? Have you looked at? You know, Kickstarter. Have you looked at any of those those models too? A little bit. We did a uh, Kickstarter um, after the first uh, set of uh, comics came out, mm-hmm. and we were thinking of uh, you know, what else can we do. So many people said, uh, "I love the comic book, but I wish there was a way that I could listen to the voice cast." Well, we do <laughs> it. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm pretty sure we can do that. And it was actually Stephen Burley, who is the announcer on uh, the Red Panda, is, uh, is also a filmmaker. And so he took all the bits and assembled it into, a, we called it a, a full cast video comic, not right. a motion comic. Right, right. Not really a lot of motion. And also motion comic has kind of become industry code for bad animation. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when we do finally manage to do something in animation, I would like it to be good animation. Exactly. Um, I would love that. But uh, so, and a Kickstarter was, uh, was great. And it was uh, terrific. It's a it's a big undertaking. 
um, you know, the fulfillment and making sure that mm-hmm. everybody's got what they're supposed to get and uh, everybody's doing. But and the fun things is like in the episodes that start coming out uh, um, in the fall, uh, each episode of the Red Panda has got at least one person who it's like a high reward level where ah, they get their mm-hmm. first and last name used in the show. Ah, cool. They're, they're a villain or a hero or someone who gets rescued or they're just, they're in there somewhere. So, and, and it's a lot of people who are, you know, familiar with and they're, they're invested in the show and they're right. a monthly donor. And they're this, and uh, I am really looking forward to hearing their reactions as, uh, as these come out in addition to all the other layers of what's going on in the story. Um, so, and there's a couple in particular that I'm like, wow, yeah, no, they're going to, they're going to flip for that. That's great. Oh, excellent. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fun. I keep getting notifications from something called flapper that we've made like nine euros or something. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but please stop giving money to us on flapper because I don't (laughs) know who they are. Yeah. Um, but you know, almost no one has, I'm, I'm sure like it's, or, or, well, anyway. Uh, it just seemed like having it under under one roof, and I'm not really complaining about uh, mm-hmm. PayPal. It, it does its job, and and in terms of um, a subscription service, which is how it treats the the monthly donation, right? The subscription. What else can they do, really? I mean, if exactly uh, if it's going through to someone's visa and it's maxed, it's just to cancel yeah. it. But what? then becomes difficult is, you know, the follow-up and and how much how much do you want to... And if someone has been giving you $3 a month for three years and they've stopped for whatever reason, do you really want to be contacting them to say, yeah. did you mean to stop that because yeah. we're still making shows? Do you want to be that guy? And <laughs> if I was really serious about, I'm going to turn this, you know, passing the hat into a thing that's going to pay all my bills, mm-hmm. um, maybe I would have or should have um, done that, but uh, it just seemed like that was taking it somewhere that that wasn't where I wanted it to be. Yeah, I guess. And uh, and I would I it doesn't discount the possibility that it can um, be something more than it is. Yeah, no, I I totally understand. I understand where you're coming from with saying, "Oh, did you really mean to cancel?" For me, it was <laughs> for a while, and I did this when I saw somebody cancel. I was like, "Oh, sorry to see you go." You know, whatever your reasons, that's fine. If you, you know, we hope someday you come back. But even that got to be, you know, it became something that took up an hour or two of the day to send those emails out. And it's like, well, that's an hour or two that I could be doing an interview with Greg Taylor, or I could be going and writing an article, or I could be uh, prepping something new that we can do to create and launch out there. So I, I understand you know, where that's, that's coming from. And if if people exactly want to drop, they drop. Right. Yeah. And there's so much energy that, uh, and, and really, you know, should it be my income? Um, I don't know that that's necessarily, you know, it's something that I love so much. Can it possibly be a job? Yeah. Well, I don't uh, ever look at anything I'd that I do as a job. There was, you know, um, you know, a, as we continue to, and the, the nice thing about the, the comic releases that are going out now is they're out. Um, on a fairly regular basis and a consistent basis, and it does. And you know, having a book out through um, uh, a company like IDW, and uh, and you don't know where this is going to go and where it's going to be. There's uh, a whole rich uh, world to play in that would lend itself very well to, as you say, um, to other medium. Um, and while I may not know how to make that happen myself, I mean, if I if 
if I could animate things, we would already have a cartoon of some kind. Well, you know uh, that that but, Thomas Perkins guy that does your covers. I know it blows my mind. <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, and and we have talked about it. Some. Thomas Perkins is an Emmy Award winning, yeah. you know, animation expert. Yeah, who has worked on some shows that yeah. I and my kids love. Yeah, Green Lantern, Batman, uh, guys all over the place. Yeah, Marvel stuff. No, I I can't, you know, I I can't believe that he is as delighted as he seems to be to you know do a book cover for me every mm-hmm. now and then and things and uh, um and uh and we've talked a little bit about what it would take to you know but um be, you know in a way the problem is you know uh, Thomas's uh, yeah he's a busy experience guy experiences on he's a great guy and but his experience is on such a professional level that we're talking in numbers that <laughs> yeah that frankly baffle me a little bit you know yeah. I, i'm like you know I, I i was looking more for the do-it-yourself numbers <laughs> a little bit tom because i don't know if it involves hiring a studio to do i don't know how that happens yeah um and well i'd love to you know certainly you know we went we tried to you know raise four thousand on a kickstarter and raised 12, almost 13. Um, and, uh, and that's great and has helped to, you know, fund, uh, other projects and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, uh, and dynamite, but if we're going to try and do so much to do five minutes of animation, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to just make a, a fake trailer or something that right. is really, the, which is the smart thing to do right? because it shows little bits of everything that you could do with these characters. Mm-hmm. If you were actually saying, I am making something that is going to be my calling card to why people should, you know, make a show, that would be the intelligent thing to do. But it's kind of like, you know, my my resistance to making a fake pitch. Yeah. Or, you know, there's so many dudes out there looking for an artist to, or looking for a writer to collaborate on doing a six-page pitch to Image Comics. Mm-hmm. Or, or and you see these everywhere, and and or they're looking for a colorist to work on their six-page pitch, and it just feels. And I get that's how it works, and that's the smart way to do it. It's the smart way to do it, but uh, it just kind of felt disingenuous. And yeah. so instead, you know, we made a, a full graphic novel, and mm-hmm. then went, huh? Now what the hell do we do with this? <laughs> and thank God. Um, yeah. you know, that we wound up, uh, with Chris and Allison at, mm-hmm. uh, at monkey brain and, uh, and every, everyone should have a moment of such good fortune in their lives, but it's baffling, as I said, that it happened and I'm extremely grateful for it. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, there are, as anyone listening who has, first of all, if you're still listening, thank you, because I've just been talking and talking. <laughs> it's but, been uh, great. Bless you for that. Um, but, uh, um, it is very, very difficult to uh, approach this industry, the comic industry, with a project mm-hmm. or with anything. There's a lot of people that want to do it, and there's not a lot of jobs out there, and there's not a lot of uh, ability for folks to take a, a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this summer, my break um, was uh, <laughs> uh, because I wanted to I wanted to do a second blackjack novel, right. Um, which I did and is with the editor now. And, uh, and, uh, that was fun to do. Uh, but before 
and I did a couple more issues of Red Banda Comics because we figured out we're good for 10 through this run. And so I, I topped that up with a couple more issues. But I'd finished the radio scripts and I took, it was um, uh, a book that I wrote called Finn's Golem, um, which is sort of a dystopian future detective story. Not that we haven't had lots of those, but mm-hmm. gosh, it's an awesome genre to play in. Um, and uh, uh, actually had earlier life as a, as a one-off um, uh, radio script. Um, and it was called ID Zero then. And it was a video project before that called Clean Slate. How about that? I <laughs> forgot about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought, well, this hasn't had enough lives yet. And I wrote a, um, a comic adaptation for it uh, and uh, uh, loved getting back into it and mixing it up and standing it on its head a little bit more and something that's like 12 issues, 24 pages, scripts done, ready for someone to look at them. Oh, excellent. And then get to the point where you're like, wow, now what the hell do I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and, you know, sent it out a couple places that I could think of. And, and then, you, then you just sort of sit and wait and you go do something else. Right, and, right, know, right. And you right. come back to it. Um, but, uh, um, you do once, uh, once, you know, you come to the conclusion that if something was going to happen with any of that stuff that you sent out, it probably would have happened already. Mm-hmm. Time to think of another idea. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, there aren't really a lot of, yeah. Oh, well, you know, eventually. Yeah. So, um, and it's, it, it is, it's, uh, um, uh, it's, it's difficult because if people took, a lot of submissions. There are so many people interested right. in working for comics. Yes, definitely. Um, and especially, you know, the job that doesn't involve drawing, which is hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I always feel so guilty, you know, when I send a new script to Dean, cause I'm like, yeah, all right, well I've done the fun part. Now you do all the work, buddy. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and he does a brilliant job and never complains. Um, but, uh, um, they would be so deluged. They would right. not be able to, you know, they, they'd never be able to get anything done. Exactly. If there was, if there was an open door. Yeah. Um, well, you're, you're lucky. I mean, honestly, you are just, uh, and I, I don't know what your numbers are for downloads or anything like that, but I'm sure they're in the, the hundreds of thousands for each episode. But, you know, you've got, and you've created such a wonderful universe for the theater of the mind in the book market, in the comic market, I just, I just hope that you're able to continue for years to come because I just, uh, I think you're doing a wonderful job and I want more people to know about it. Well, thank you, sir. That's so kind. Well, and I think we're going to, we're probably out of time here, but where, where, uh, where can people find more? Oh yes, please. Thank you. Um, uh, decoderingtheater.com. And you can spell theater either the American way or the other way. The, the um, right way. <laughs> the, the right way, yeah. R-E or E-R. They should both take you there. Yeah. Um, uh, decoderingtheater.com is sort of the clearinghouse for everything. That's where all of our radio dramas live, and you can find them there. They are all available for uh, streaming or downloading, uh, all for gloriously free. Um, you'll also find on the uh, books page there, uh, links to all of the different uh, novels, both the series and non-series, as well as the uh, the comic book, uh, the trade paperback, and the uh, the regular digital releases are all updated there. Uh, so that's your best route. If you're a comicsology reader and you'd care to search for uh, the Red Panda, 
you will find the uh, the Monkey Brain releases there. There's a new one coming out. Well, now, yay! I should probably say it just came out because I'm sure by the time people hear this, it will be after August 20th. Uh, no, it'll be the day before August 20th. Holy smoke! So it comes out. There's to... a new issue tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. Um, so and uh, and and that's a, a fun one, and uh, and that's there's also a video section there where you can find the full cast video comic version of our, of our first story um, and some other things. So that's decoderingtheater.com is probably your easiest route. Oh, um, come on, say it. All things, the Red Panda. Say it the way you say it in the podcast. <laughs> decoderingtheater.com is your address for adventure. Is that what you mean? Uh, yes. I said that once, and I have used that recording over and over again for like 10 years. Awesome. Uh, well, it works. It works, and it's ingrained in so many people's minds. So, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us, and I'm sure our readers and our listeners are going to get a kick out of, of this interview, and I, I just wish you all the luck in the world. Oh, gosh. Thanks very much, Stephen. That wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. Now, I know sometimes I get a little sappy and teary-eyed and the dust in the room starts getting a little troublesome. But I want to take a moment and, and really say thank you to all of you who spread the good word about Major Spoilers who visit the website each day, who download our shows, who enjoy our shows. I'm glad that you enjoy our shows. And and thank you to the people who are able to contribute in any way that you can, whether it's the Amazon.com link at Major Spoilers or whether you're a VIP or some of our other affiliates like Tweaked Audio. TweakedAudio.com, use the checkout code MAJOR and get 30% off your next purchase. Thank you. It It makes me feel good, and I know it makes everyone else feel good when – when we know that we are helping entertain you or make your lives uh, a little better in some way. And I, I know that sounds weird. It's weird for me to say that. But I know for some of you out there, you've written to us and said, hey, this show, the shows that you do, the things that you do, help me get through the day. Help me get through whatever terrible thing is happening in your life. And I'm, and I'm glad we're, we're able to uh, to help you out on that, whether it is – working with a charity, whether it is, um, you know, just creating content that you can put in your, your ears and listen. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoy this and we enjoy making content for you. If it wasn't, you know, if we had zero listeners, we wouldn't be producing content. If we had zero readers to our site, we wouldn't produce content. And I'm glad that so many of you enjoy what we do. I really do. And I, I sincerely and, and honestly hope that in the coming years, we're able to do even more. And I, you know, to I, I don't know. Some of you may not know if you don't follow the major spoilers email list or if you haven't heard me talk about it before on some of the other podcasts that we do. I've made major spoilers my full time job now, and it is a big deal for me. Because I want to create for you. I guess when people talk about following your passion, it's all about me wanting to entertain and make your day happy, whatever that means for you. You know, if happy means I get a chuckle here and there, if happy means um, you've helped me out of some issue that I was dealing with or you've answered a question that's been burning in my brain for years or you've just brought that little bit of extra to my day, then, then great. That's what I want to do 
for you. And when I say do more, I mean I want to hire Matthew full-time. I want to hire Rodrigo and Zach and as many people as we can. And we can't do it without you. And I'm, I'm glad that you are here. You know, if Major Spoilers makes me happy, you, listening right now, or in the future, hello future people, you make me happy. And I'm glad that you're part of our Major Spoilers family. I'm glad that you are here to support us when we're not having a good day. I'm glad that you are here week after week and day after day. And I'm glad so many of you enjoy what we do. That you're telling your friends, that you're going to the comic book shop and telling the people there that this is a show that they should listen to or a website that they should go to. I I love the fact, I honestly love the fact that so many of you go to your gaming groups and say, hey, you need to listen to this critical hit podcast where these people are spinning a fantastic tale with Rodrigo as our dungeon master. I really, really, I really appreciate that. So. As we get into the last quarter, as we get closer to the last quarter, I think we've got another month or two before we hit that quarter. But as we slide into the back half of 2014, and as we kick off year nine of major spoilers, just a month into it, month and a half into it, thank you for, for being along for the ride. I suppose we should cue like some Golden Girls music or something. Thank you for being a friend. But thank you for what you do. Thank you for following us at Major Spoilers on Twitter. Thank you for sending us your emails, podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Thank you for, for helping us out in every way that you can in helping make your life and maybe other people's lives a little bit better. Okay, uh, let's wrap it up there today. Again, thank you so much for downloading and listening. Next week, we'll be back. I think next week is your questions and then we'll get into some more trade paperbacks. And then, you know, there's some law questions that have been popping up here and there in the last couple of weeks. We'll bring back in a lawyer to discuss those things. I'm still trying to nail down. Uh, I'm still trying to nail down Dr. Peter Coogan to get him back on the show because I know so many of you want to hear him. We've got a whole lot more going on at Major Spoilers and I can't wait to share it with you. And I can't wait for you to see what we do next because it's going to be wonderful. And how do I know it's going to be wonderful? Because of you and because that we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Bad the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Like 
like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine being in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. Spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2014. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.